outside smell. Oh, that would be me. I've been swimming in raw sewage. I love it. I love it. That's the signal. Let's go. Glory days. It's time for another episode of Trimming the Musical Fat, the podcast where we trim albums that are too damn long. I'm Stephen Nicholson and I'm joined by my brother Paul and together with our guest we're going to be taking our invisible scissors to New Jersey's blue collar hero Bruce Springsteen and his 1980 double album The River. What's going to make the under 50 minute single vinyl TTMF supercut of the album. Jackson Cage, Hungry Heart, The Ties That Bind. Keep listening to find out as we dedicate two episodes to the album. We'll also find time to share some Bruce jokes, talk about seeing the great man live, revisit 1980, debate if the boss should have called it quits earlier in his career and answer as many Springsteen questions as we can in only three minutes. It's time to introduce our guest, Baby. He was born to run. It's Davy Mellon. How are you doing, Davy? Uh, not bad, Jolly. Very good. So you've been enjoying the very unseasonal sunshine here in Edinburgh today? Ah, it's been great. Just uh, went round after seat not long ago. Made it, made it round, so I'm quite happy with that. You survived, which is good. And I've survived my first game of... Football in two years. Uh, well, if, if it's suddenly uh, there's there's no audio at my end halfway through, you you know what's happened. <laughs> I passed out from exhaustion. Um, so, uh, did you watch the golf, Davy? I opened. Open. I was, uh, went and uh, watched it in the, the Sunday in the pear tree. Yeah. And because um, it was lovely and sunny, get like a three pint picture of Magners between us. Nice. And then at some point, the master, one of the waiters said, I were, we're turning it over to the Grand Prix. There's been a few requests, like, oh, what? <laughs> 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 what is the Grand Prix anymore? <laughs> yeah, but no. anyway, we were forced inside because they actually turned it over. I hate it when that happens. Um, I remember um, being in Amarillo. 40th birthday, Route 66 trip, and it was the World Cup final. Germany versus... Who was the final again? Germany... Brazil, was it? No. Who was it? No, that was the semi-final. No. Brazil got hammered by Germany. Yeah, in the semi-final. In the quarter-final, I think it was. Uh, I can't remember. That's terrible. But anyway, uh, whoever... But they had all these TVs in this uh, the stake place we were in. But none showing the the football. Uh, but thankfully, <laughs> so, can you put it on? Yes. So we got to watch it's not it. Football. It's the soccer. So- the soccer. So I know. Yeah, let's ask for it. Um, so, gents, <laughs> we're talking Bruce Springsteen today. 
so I'll maybe ask a, a few questions uh, around that. And I know, David, you're a resident Bruce Spring, Springsteen uh, fan. So when did you become a, a fan of his? And do you remember what was the first record, CD or cassette you bought of his? I was probably about like seven, eight, I'd imagine. Um, I think the first album that I bought was oh, just after reading about it in like Q magazine was um, uh, oh, what was it? I've even forgot what it's called. Um, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Okay. So, and just from from listening to that, I just delved right in and started buying his back catalogue because it was just so good. Mm. And I think. Uh, it was around about well, two thousand and three when when I bought his first album that actually released at the time when I mm-hmm. <laughs> goodbye at mm-hmm. uh, the Rising. Yep. So yeah, no, I've loved, I've loved, loved them. Yeah, and Paul, you you're not uh, a fan. I think you like Bruce Springsteen, but I don't I don't think you've really went out of your way to buy his stuff up till now. Is that right? No, uh, I've had uh, I was going to say band on the run, <laughs> born to <laughs> run even. That came out the year after Band of the Run. Uh, I had, I've had Born to Run for quite a while, and, and obviously I'd heard his greatest hits. Uh, you used to have the CD away back in the mid-90s. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I've liked a lot of stuff. I'm not a massive fan, but uh, I've always kind of enjoyed listening maybe up till the mid-90s to his stuff, like his mm-hmm. recent stuff. Uh, but no, he's done some, and Born to Run's like an amazing album. You know? but, yeah. Uh, uh, I think your story is similar to, to mine, yeah, about the greatest hits, and I've, I've never delved any further, although I did buy the Philadelphia soundtrack purely to That's get right, yeah. uh, Streets of Philadelphia, which is an absolutely classic That's song. Right. Uh, so, yeah, and I've never delved any further, but he's one of these guys that I've always wanted to make time to to really uh, get into uh, and just have a good listen. So I think doing this episode, that has been, I suppose, the start of it, uh, to, to be able to maybe delve into the back catalogue a little bit more now. Um, so, but yeah, I've, I've never, other than the greatest hits, um, and downloading a few songs from the last 10, 12 years, uh, some of the singles that have come out. Uh, I've, I've not bought any more albums other than The River recently, so that is something that I look forward to exploring, exploring further. So anyway, guys, thank you for joining tonight. Uh, let's now head down Thunder Road. It's the tail of the tape. The River, the fifth studio album from Bruce Springsteen, released in October 1980 along with the hit single Hungry Heart. This was a follow-up to 1978's Darkness on the Edge of Town. The album was produced by Springsteen along with John Lando and Stephen Van Zandt. The cover was photographed by Joe Bernstein. There are 20 songs on it, and they are The Ties That Bind, Sherry Darling, Jackson Cage, Two Hearts, Independence Day, on Disc One Side Two, it was Hungry Heart, Out in the Street, Crush On You, You Can Look, But You Better Not Touch, I Wanna Marry You, and The River. On the second disc, Side One, it's Point Blank, Cadillac Ranch, I'm a Rocker, Fade Away, and Stolen Car, and on the final side, side four, it's Ramrod, The Price You Pay, Drive All Night, and Wreck on the Highway. 
The album is 84 minutes in duration, which means we need to lose at least 34 minutes today. There were several singles released from the album, which included Hungry Heart, Fade Away, Sherry Darling, a double A side in the UK, which was The River and Independence Day, and also in the UK, there was Cadillac Ranch and Point Blank. Paul, over to you. Yeah, the critical reception to the album in a contemporary review for Melody Maker, Paolo Hewitt compared listening to the river to taking a trip through the rock and roll heartland as you've never experienced it. It's a walk down all the streets, all the places, all the people and all the souls that rock has ever visited, ex- excited, cried for and loved. Robert Christgau, supervisor and rock critic, wrote of Springsteen, all the standard objections apply. His beat is still clunky, his singing overwrought, but his writing is at a peak and he's going into a bitter empathy. These are the wages of young, a young romantic. <laughs> so that was the critical uh, reception at the time. And I'm just going to go through some of the, the sales facts for the album. So and it was his third highest certified studio release after Born in the USA and Born to Run. So it's third best selling. And it sold, the album sold 10 million copies worldwide, which is amazing, which was a 4.3 million increase on the previous album, Darkness on the Edge of Town, uh, which works out like 50% increase on the previous album. And it got to number two in the UK and number one in the US Billboard album charts. In the UK, it went platinum. In the States, it went five times platinum. And the equivalent album sales figures for Spotify are 164,000, another 164,000 sales onto that, which is a 69% increase on the previous album, Darkness and Edge of Town, uh, 112,000 more sales than that and the river with six, the river the title track with 64,000 uh, streams was the most streamed song on the album mm. yeah, I think it was his it was his first number one album wasn't it which was quite In surprising States, yeah but, yeah um, I really thought hey, Darkness and Edge Town would have been but no um, like you say it's got a couple of million more than that which I was Quite surprised yeah. I was it would have been a double album because it mm-hmm. might put a lot of people off because probably they are a bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more than doubled the sales of the previous mm. one. That's impressive. Mm. Uh, surprised that the streaming, yeah, I actually would have thought Hungry Heart would have been the, the most streamed song. Yeah, I know. It's, it's quite, when we're doing these the streaming things, it's quite interesting because it's not always the song you would expect mm-hmm. that, that is the most streamed one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what was the what was the most streamed? Uh, the river, the title the track. I. Yeah. Oh. oh. I think Hungry Heart would be this. Was this the, oh yeah, hit my leg off. The <laughs> uh, Hungry Heart was the second highest streamed song. I think mm. we we released that a few years in like the nineties, didn't we? Because I remember they it being did. on uh, yeah. on MTV all the time. Yeah, yeah, they did. 95, I think it was, uh, to the coincide with the greatest hits, yeah. Yeah. So these are the the top 10 best-selling singles worldwide in 1980. Okay. So at number 10, 
was Fame by Irene Cara. At number 9 was Xanadu by Olivia Newton-John and ELO. At number 8 was Crazy Little Thing Called Love by Queen. At number 7 was Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. At number 6, Funky Town by Lip Sync. At number 5, Call Me by Blondie. At number 4, Upside Down by Diana Ross. At number 3, Just Like Starting Over by John Lennon. At number 2, Women in Love by Barbara Streisand. And the number one selling song worldwide for 1980 was Another Brick in the Wall Part 2 by Pink Floyd. Pretty good uh, top 10 to Taylor Floyd. Cracking song from there. A uh, couple of Queen ones and Another Brick in the Wall. Is that the same top 10 as we had at the, when we did the wall? Or did you do something different that, that one? Well, that was, that was the year before. And that and uh, that was seventy nine. So I I think because the because the the song came out like late seventy sorry the album late seventy nine it was probably still selling into nineteen eighty. It did I think it was like yeah. before I was born or something. Yeah, which was October. So that was, uh, yeah. I think that's a fantastic top ten. Brilliant top ten. I mean. Pretty much everything in there is a classic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Blondie, Call Me, you can't beat that. Yeah, Exanadu, Olivia Newton, John and the Yellow is fantastic. And two Queen songs, um, just like starting over, John Lennon, Women in Love, Barbara Streisand, Pink Floyd song. Yeah, that is that is maybe the best singles top ten we've featured on the podcast so far. Arguably, I would agree. Aye, definitely. Yep. Superb. No, I think I think it's uh, it's brilliant. Really mm-hmm. and, Agreed. You know, you've got two Queen ones in there, and which is always good. Yeah, and John Lennon, and and even you've got Fame by Irene Cara. Hey, I'm gonna live forever. Don't know why I'm singing it. Don't know why I'm singing it in Bee Gees style. In, in the Bee Gees style. <laughs> <laughs> But she okay. blows the in, um, in the hydro in November. I'm looking forward to it. That'd be a good show. Is it all right? Ah. Okay. Yeah, I've read a lot of biography last year. It was good, actually. Well, I watched them. Um, wa- <laughs> <laughs> I watched them, um, like the old Glastonbury videos that they had on, on the iPlayer, and they had their on day gig, and I was like watching it like. Really, she really had more songs than I actually remember she had. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very talented. Just, uh, I mean, Debbie had a real. Real trailblazer, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Real trailblazer. Yeah, if it wasn't for her, you wouldn't have had Madonna and Lady Gaga oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. Annie Lennox, all these people. Yeah. Yep, definitely. definitely. Okay, so I'll now move on to the the top 10 best-selling albums of 1980 worldwide. Okay, and at number 10 was The Game by Queen. At number 9, Emotional Rescue by the Rolling Stones. At number 8, The Pretenders by The Pretenders. And Xanadu, Eleven and John and ELO. At number 6, Zenyatta Montata by The Police. <laughs> At number 5, Glass Houses by Billy Joel. At number 4, The River by Bruce Springsteen. At number 3, Guilty by Barbara Streisand. At number two, Double Fantasy by John Lennon. 
and the number one album that's actually sold 24 million I think Back in Black by ACDC is the top top selling album of 1980 worldwide any thoughts on that guys well for me that's a turnaround on the the, the singles because I think I've only got two of those albums maybe three <laughs> <laughs> I think the only Queen album I've ever had is the, the greatest hits <laughs> oh right yeah but yeah. no Glass, Glass House is a good album it's a great album yeah yeah. I haven't heard it. I'd, I'd like to listen. I've heard the obviously the singles, but I'd like to get it. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Really good album. Uh, I think Billy Joel, Billy Joel kind of put out three or four kind of great albums in a row. Yeah, that's right. Um, kind of you know in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, what about the? I've never listened to it. Uh, Paul Exana do the album any good? Well, the first half of it. I mean, even Cliff Richard does a song. Really? <laughs> the first half, yeah. So the first half's like a mixture. It's got like some Eleven Newton John, Cliff Richard, because it's like a musical. But then the last half of the album, which is the best half, is the ELO songs because you've got on it like uh, the title track, "Don't Walk Away." It was a, it was the last time the ELO had like used orchestra. Hmm. Uh, but some of their best stuff actually, uh, "I'm Alive" as well. That's on it. Uh, hmm. But yeah, I was surprised. I have to say, it was in the top ten. But yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful saying the police album, Senyata Montata. Easy for you to say. <laughs> what, what, yeah, what that? Album. <laughs> uh, that that was maybe their second or third album. Uh, but they did have quite funny album titles. I have to say. Yep, yeah. synchronicity. <laughs> yeah. There was another one as well, another, yeah. Some of them were quite hard to pronounce. Anyway. Okay, so I'll now go on to the, the top 10 movies of 1980. Okay. So at number 10 was The Blues Brothers, starred John Belushi. At number 9 was the original Friday the 13th, which starred Kevin Bacon. At number 8 was Smokey and the Bandit 2, starring Burt Reynolds. At number seven was The Coal Miner's Daughter, starring Sissy Spacek. At number six was Private Benjamin by, well, sorry, starring Goldie Hawn. At number five, Any Which Way You Can, starring Clint Eastwood. At number four, Airplane, starring Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> at number three, yeah. At number three, Stir Crazy, starring Gene Wilder. At number two, Nine to Five by Dolly Parton. And at number one, a film that we all agree is probably the best sequel of all time, The Empire Strikes Back, starring Mark Hamill. Wow. Yeah, so what do you think about that top ten, guys? Some top ten. Ah, some quality movies in there. It started off mm-hmm. really well with the, the Blues Brothers. That's a stone cold right. classic. Dum, 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 dum. Seven comedies. Yeah, well, Stir Crazy Airplane, Private Benjamin's kind of a comedy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Which you can't a comedy. Smoking the band, yeah, three quarters of them are comedies. Very unusual. And, and Friday the Thirteenth, Kevin Bacon. That must be one of his first films, if not the mm-hmm. first film. I think I watched that for the first time about two years ago. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> good, good special effects and makeup and all. <laughs> Enjoy then, Davy. <laughs> is it Jason Voorhees? Isn't it? 
Jumps out the water here. Yeah. 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 I always get yeah. Halloween in that mixed up. Like I know, I was, kind of, I was kind of thinking that actually, but I four years out. <laughs> Mate, Michael Myers. Uh, you, not, did, not the one from you, Austin Powers. <laughs> uh, did you go and see that in the cinema, Steve? Empire Strikes Back. I did, yeah. yeah. Um, my dad took me. Yep. 1980. If it was 81, it came out in Britain, wasn't it? No, I think it was 80. 80? Well, it might yeah, have been but, the end of 80, but you maybe saw it in 81. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I vividly remember going to see that, just being so excited. And yeah, just, I st- still remember that. And I would have been six year old, six or seven. Yeah. And oh, just absolutely one of those change your life movies. Yeah. Loved it. Possibly the best movie ever, certainly up there, anyway. Maybe, yeah, definitely one of my yeah. favorites, if not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, another other interesting thing there is, and uh, Airplane is also one of my favorite movies of all time. Maybe yeah. the, the maybe the funniest movie of all time for me. But <laughs> the Blues Brothers was that not meant to be regarded as a failure? Yeah, it's in the top 10 grossing movies of the year. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because I think you're right. I almost thought it was a cult classic. But it's obviously done a lot more business than people thought. But then, yeah. You wouldn't expect Friday the 13th to be in there either, would you? you know, uh, no, no, no. No, probably not. Uh, interesting yeah. top 10. It is. It is. It's interesting. Things that you maybe don't expect to be there. So, what we'll do, we'll now go into. Three events that happened in the year 1980. Apart from Davy being born, were you born just after nine? Then oh, 79? 79, October. Right? 79, okay. And so one of the events was uh, the Iranian hostage crisis in London. Uh, six Iranian born terrorists took over the Iranian embassy. And so the, the SAS uh, retook the embassy on May the 5th, and one terrorist survived. And I know they've made a few films about that, actually. Who dares wins, maybe. And uh, the 1980 Olympics, obviously, is quite poetic at the moment because the, the 2020 Olympics are on, even though it's 2021 at the moment. So the, the 1980 Olympics were held in Moscow and, and it was quite a controversial tournament because uh, the US led a boycott of the Games to protest against the late 1979 Soviet Union invasion of Afghanistan. 82 countries followed suit with athletes from 16 of them participating under a neutral flag. And yeah, a tragic end to the year, yeah. And John Lennon is murdered outside his New York mm-hmm. apartment by a deranged fan just after embarking on a musical comeback after a five year hiatus. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think about those the events from the year? Do you remember any of those, Steve? Um, I do remember the news about the Iranian hostage thing because I remember the news showing the SAS going in That's right. and the explosion mm. on the balcony. So I remember that. Um, One the of the guys Olymp- was a Scotsman, wasn't he? One yeah. Of the SAS uh-huh. guys. the mm. Olympics, the only thing I, re- I remember... Was was that the one, Alan Wells? That's won? the one, yeah. That's okay, the one. he won gold. Yeah. So Alan Wells, um, obviously British, a Scotsman, uh, won the hundred meters gold. And true story, uh, where mm-hmm. me and Paul grew up, his family lived in the house um, that was connected to our back garden. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Do, 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 and he trained do. down at the the field, the Harriers. 
That's right. Yep, local yeah. football field. That's right. And John Lennon actually remember uh, Dad buying the newspaper, and it had that mm. on the front of it. Yeah, uh, and obviously the news was full of the, the John Lennon thing and his music at the time. Um. So yeah, no, obviously it wasn't really getting the, the full. Uh, what what it really really meant, but uh, yeah, I do vaguely remember it. Just the newspaper is the thing I remember the most. Yeah, mm. I, I don't remember. And in my sort of consciousness, he's always been dead. But mm. like, he, yeah, it just seems like probably the most tragic uh, musician. Like you think about the way to go and and everything around it. And what's interesting was that Double Fantasy was number two. Was it number two in the album. Yeah, number two, and that a lot of that was after he died. The sales obviously rock skyrocketed, but because when it when it when it was released, I think it was October, the sales were okay, and it was quite it was slated by the critics. And then obviously when he died, it had more poignancy and uh, connection to it. And then the sales just went a bit like Black Star, David Bowie, a bit like that. Mm. Yeah, that's what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, death makes angels of us all. Yeah, there's nothing, was it nothing even like uh, artists and painters and stuff? It's like uh, the best thing for their career is death, (laughs) they sell more when they're dead. A lot of artists, it's true. Just fake your death and get the money. No. We're being stopped point blank in our tracks as it's time to trim the talk, where we are all asked the same question and have to answer in alphabetical order. However, we only have three minutes to do this. So, gentlemen, let's go. Three minutes start now. So, describe Bruce Springsteen in three words Working class hero. Hmm. The screaming boss. American Cadillac Highway. Have you seen Bruce Springsteen live? Yep, uh, Hamden 2009. No, <laughs> no, I haven't seen him live, no. Uh, same here, I haven't seen him. Uh, Favourite Bruce Springsteen album? Uh, Darkness and Edge of Town. Born to Run. Uh, I'll say The River. Uh, your favourite Bruce Springsteen song? Incident on 57th Street. Brilliant disguise. I'm going to say Born to Run. Uh, what were you doing at the time of album release in October 1980? <laughs> Come on about the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new there then, Davey. <laughs> Two minutes left. And I was probably crawling, but asking about Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably uh, going crazy waiting to go and see Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Um, when and where did you first hear the River album? Um, I would say it was at Aberdeen University, nineteen ninety eight, maybe. Okay. Yeah, two or three months ago when it was one of the the albums that we were going to do, so I did my research on it then. Yes, I think I was playing online poker with the guys and listening to the album at the same time, probably about six or seven weeks ago. Uh, Favourite track from the album? Uh, Hungry Heart. 
The River. Greyhound. Uh, least favourite track from Melbourne. Um, One minute remaining. You got an answer? I'm, I'm a <laughs> Okay, Paul. Marry you. It's terrible. Uh, oh, controversial. I'd say Drive All Night. Album rating out of five. Uh, four. Four? Yeah. Oh, two. Really? Two. Yeah, really, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'd give it a five. I think it's mm-hmm. brilliant. So, Davey, you've, uh, you're the only one that's seen The Boss live. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, so um, I think it was probably my first ever sojourn through to, to Glasgow. Um, probably one of the only gigs I actually went to in my 20s, other than a couple of Radiohead gigs. Um, a lot of bands never ever came to Edinburgh, so I was just too scared to go through to Glasgow or get stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <Jim>. no, I, <laughs> that's back in the days when I used to, to drive, I actually drove through. Um, with, my, with my mate and parked about three miles away from Hamden because you never sat in Hamden those days so it was a bit of a trek to get to the Hamden as well but um, and it's probably the only gig I've ever been to where I've never had a drink <laughs> but no it came on about what to say about half seven and didn't leave the stage until 11 o'clock so in mm. three and a half hours you get your your money's worth for Bruce, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And it was right about the time of they, they released the, the Working on a Dream album, so that was the one they were touring. But the thing about Bruce Springsteen is uh, whenever you go to his gigs, like most bands, you can just check out the set list before you go, and then they'll basically play that entire set for the entire tour. But after maybe like the first five, six, seven songs, what, what Bruce does, he goes into the crowd and all the crowd make placards of song requests and he just picks out random placards from the crowd and then just shoves them on the front of the stage and then he'll pull one out, hold it up and everyone will just be like, yes! And uh, one of the placards that he put, picked out was a incident on 57th Street, which oh. is on yeah, the, I, think, I think it's on his second album um, um Ah, it's on the second piece for Mashby Park, maybe? Or is right. it the Wild and Innocent E3 Struggle? Yeah, that's the one. Shuffle. I think it's in the first album. It's about, that's my favourite song. And the guitar intro to that, you just can't beat it. And he just he did say that he's not played it in a long time, so please don't please don't be annoyed if he F's it up, which mm-hmm. he did. <laughs> <Can't do it. laughs> but then he said, right, let's start again. And I went straight into the intro and oh, it was absolutely su- mm-hmm. superb. But no, I played... He plays cover versions of like Chuck Berry towards the end. It just, I think, I think he's been known to go on for four hours in some gigs. And if you're paying, well, paying about fifty quid back in the day, when he was like, that's every single penny was accounted for in that uh, experience yeah. anyway. Good value. But no, it was superb. I think he's come back a couple of times, but he's always gone to Glasgow. And again, that was before I used to start going through there. Uh, now I would just, I would go there through in a heartbeat. But I think um, they, they have just released a new album recently, haven't they? So yeah. I think, think he'll be going on tour with, hopefully, with the East Street Band next year, I would imagine. COVID, well, here's a, COVID hmm. day allowing. Here's, here's a question for you. Uh, 
Now, he obviously, it's Bruce Springsteen and his band is the E Street Band. Why, when he was releasing albums, did he drop the E Street Band being a yeah. part of it? Well, some of them, some of these albums, it's just uh, him solo, or he'll get some session musicians in yeah, uh, to do the albums. But um, like he's done quite a few, like Ghost of Tom Jode and Nebraska. Well, Nebraska is a heavily acoustic album, so he didn't have, really have them. He might have one or two people from the the E Street Band playing, but he's not got the full Stephen Van Zandt and, and all them showing up. So it's only a certain album. I think. Um, the Rising was his first album in 15 years with the Lee Street Band, that's and right. that's an absolute classic. Um, probably one of his best. In my opinion, it was like his uh, reply to the 9-11 attacks. Mm. That was brilliant. Cool. Um, so uh, let's get everybody's thoughts on the the River album itself. So Paul, you only gave it two out of five, so you're obviously not... Ooh. That impressed by it. So tell tell us what you tell us what your 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 thoughts are on it. Maybe the reason why we're doing the show today is that there was just too much on it, and that kind of almost because there was so much, it just became a bit boring. There was good stuff on it. Don't don't get me wrong, but it just as a sort of collection, it just. A lot of the songs sounded quite similar, and I think maybe what also I'd listened to "Darkness and Edge of Town" in Nebraska and "Born in the USA" around the same time, and I actually felt they were all better albums. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I think there was almost too much to digest, and it just some of the songs. Well, one of the songs particularly was a bit cringy. "Marry Me." Uh, it was just a bit, you know, like a Blackpool. Phoenix Knight's keyboard in it and it just sounded a bit cringy. <laughs> right. You're not going to believe it. It's one of the notes I wrote down. I actually like the song, uh, Marry Me, uh, but uh, you will not believe I wrote down the exact thing. Did it, you? It does, it does sound like... Uh, Sounds like the, at your Nana's Club, Bingo yeah, Club like, or something. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a Blackpool, yeah. a Blackpool uh, kind of cabaret act uh, yeah. back in the... Uh, I like the song, but, that, but yeah, that's what it reminded me of. How bizarre. Oh, there you go. How bizarre. <laughs> What about you? Um, well, so obviously I listened to it for the first time only um, in June. Uh, we're in we're into uh, July just now, and I think from the cover and the song "The River," I always expect it to be one of these acoustic type ones, you know, like Nebraska or something. So that's what I was expecting, and then I put it on, and. I was just blown away by the first four songs. So here's me expecting this kind of downtrodden acoustic album. And then you get these first four songs, one after the other, live sounding, exuberant, uplifting, happy, full of life music. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So uh, my perception of it was just uh, totally different. Uh, so it's, it's just a really up album. And and for a double album of 20 tracks, there's only one song on it. I would say, yeah, I don't like it. So that's a pretty good batting average. Uh, what about you, Davey? Yeah, well, um, I think the first time I actually really heard some songs from it is it featured on uh, Copland with hmm. Stone and Grail and 
Stallone, the character, he, he listens to that album quite a lot, so he got out the vinyl and stuck it on a couple of times. I think the, the first song, first time we hear it was um, uh, Drive All Night, and mm. the second time when he finally gets a wee kiss from uh, is it Annabella Sciorra or something like that, it's a stolen car, I think. Have a moment too, and I just thought the songs were were brilliant. It was only maybe a couple of years later that I actually realised it from the river, even despite mm. having the album because I've maybe only listened to it once or twice. Um, but when I watched it again, I was like hanging about the credits just to find out what Springsteen uh, songs they were, and then we looked through the, the albums and seen they were there. But... <laughs> Aye, nah, I think it's. It probably is more than a four out of five, but um, I think it's uh, strong, other albums, some other albums are, are stronger, which are solid fives. But um, no, that's no, definitely gets it up there. It's one of his better ones. Cool. One of his best. So let's take a trip to the promised land called Laughter with some. Bruce Springsteen jokes, or more accurately, I think we've only got one joke this week, and I think, Davey, you're the one that has the joke. Let us have it. Okay, so, uh, how, how do you know Forrest Gump was a Bruce Springsteen fan? I don't know. Don't know. Because he was born to run. Woohoo! <laughs> Maybe he was born to run. I <laughs> think the only one, uh, other one I've seen was uh, Bruce Springsteen isn't very good at maths. I don't think I've heard him count past four in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> well, we're about to pass through the tunnel of love and lose our signal. But fear not, there are better days ahead with part two of the, the River. So in part two, we'll do a deep dive into the album and critique each song. We'll also decide on which songs we want to appear on our supercut of the album. And I know that discussion is going to be very lively. Uh, the other thing we'll look at is, we'll discuss, do we think Bruce Springsteen should have called it a day earlier? in his career or are we glad he is still going on touring and making music so thank you all for joining us today if you want to learn more about the podcast or what we're up to you can check us out on our website which is www.trimmingthemusicalfat.com we're also on social media so you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram and we also have a youtube channel as well so you can get in touch with us through uh, these different ways so keep dancing in the dark and remember to come back for the concluding episode of Bruce Springsteen's The River goodbye
Springsteen live? <laughs> Can you hear me now? Oh. Ah, perfect. That was very exciting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs>